You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. Well, thanks so much for tuning in to today's Worshipology. I am joined by one of my favorite dudes on the planet. I love this guy. And if you haven't heard his music, I think you're going to hear it really soon. Uh, Spencer Annis, welcome to Worshipology, bro. It's nice to hang out with you and and chat a little bit. It's been a while. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Spencer, uh, you know, he's a recording artist. He's been writing songs really doing an incredible thing with Spotify. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But Spencer moved to Nashville. When was that? 2018? Yep. 2018. And we found out that we were fellow Hokies, Virginia Tech. So immediately ha- had that connection. Let's go. And uh, and, and then, yeah, you, you started coming to Bridges. And I mean, you were one of our first worship leaders when we launched Bridges Nashville in downtown Music City. And um, man, just your heart to help people connect to the presence of God, your passion for the Holy Spirit. Dude, give us a snapshot for those who are listening of your story. How did you come to love worship, to do music? When did you pick up a guitar for the first time? First off, I just want to say it was such an honor working with you at at Bridges and just partnering with what God was doing there. Um, Mm. Just really quick, it's actually kind of funny. Uh, You know, when I moved to Nashville, I was like excited about you know, cause I'd been a part of a bunch of small ministries and church plants and stuff like that before I was like, okay, awesome. God's finally leading me to a place of, you know, big, you know, refined <laughs> like church structure and stuff. And like, like all these cool churches out in Nashville, but then it was just so apparent that, uh, God wanted me to, um, to partner with you guys. And it was just so beautiful. And, uh, I grew a ton and learned a lot from you and, it was just, it was awesome. So yeah, uh, quick snapshot. So I grew up on the Eastern shore of Virginia. If you don't Let's know where that VA. is. Let's go VA. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, across the bay from like Virginia beach. Uh, there's not much out there. It's just like fields. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I grew up in uh, a new believer household. Basically. I'm pretty sure my parents got saved shortly before I was born. Mm. Um, and uh, so you know, growing up, I think, you know, they were just trying to figure out the best way to, to help kind of lead me into a a godly lifestyle. But, you know, uh, so I went to a a private school and, uh, it was a private Christian school and long story short, um, you know, I, I kind of, you know, everything became very academic. Um, Mm. and like, cause we would have like theology classes, memorize scripture, all that stuff. And so I kind of you know, didn't really know relationship, relationship with Jesus. And I saw a lot of people living like double lives and mm-hmm. just kind of, uh, you know, it was, it was tough uh, seeing that and also trying to understand what relationship with God looked like. So went through high school, then towards the end of high school, kind of drifted into just a very selfish lifestyle, a lot of really unhealthy relationships and, you know, kind of like partying here and there with people and stuff. And that drifted into college, but, you know, college was, you know, it just a whole new level of that, just being completely out on your own. And um, it wasn't until about halfway through college that I really experienced Jesus and, um, and just mm-hmm. completely surrendered everything to him. And, um, and from then on, it was just such a beautiful time of, of, of growing with the Lord, growing a community, growing in heart for, you know, other people encountering the Lord, especially through worship music and, um, and just a quick like background on my musical journey. 
when I was six years old, my parents put me in violin. <laughs> Neither of them oh, were no musical. Way. Yeah, that was my first instrument was violin, six years old. Um, wow. My parents weren't musicians at all. Uh, I, I had always loved music. Um, I hated violin. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it was really good because now that I think about it and, and I heard somewhere that your, your, your pitch develops around that time. <clears throat> and so oh, a lot of people that don't have you know, any experience like singing or whatever it is around that time usually don't develop very good pitch. And so it was cool because violin, you don't have frets, you know, it's not like guitar. So, uh, you know, the, <laughs> he would just sit there and play a note until I could match it, which is just crazy when I think about how much that probably did to help me out. Wow. Um, but yeah, and then I got a guitar at around t uh, 12 years old, I think, for Christmas. And that's just when I... I immediately fell in love with with putting my own thoughts and heart, you know, down in song. Um, and because at the time, you know, you're going through a lot in middle school and it's kind of just a rough time. And and I think, you know, I, I just wasn't connecting with like my parents on an emotional level. Really, I was very distant, kind of kind of almost in the emo phase a little bit. Oh, everybody went through that. <laughs> Rough times. I, I find so many worship leaders have an emo phase somewhere down the road, and usually it's in middle school. Yeah, yeah. Rough times. But um, <laughs> but I, I started writing then, and it's really funny. Like uh, I, I actually remember the first three songs that I wrote. I tried to pull together uh, a band of friends that didn't even play any instruments. And, uh, oh, nice. And yeah, and it was just so funny because, you know, it was about like... <laughs> It was about like cars and like, you know, like there's not much to do on the Eastern shore. So we're, you know, like shooting guns in fields and stuff. So I'm literally <laughs> like writing songs about like guns. <laughs> now, Spencer, Spencer, I know you, man. And I cannot picture you like four wheeling, shooting guns. Cause, cause you definitely don't yeah. like throw off the country boy vibe to me, man. Yeah. I drew. Yeah. I definitely didn't, uh, didn't align with that a whole lot, but I, I did love shooting <laughs> things, man. It's, it's fun. <laughs> oh man. I, I remember my first BB gun. We, we, we were there. Yeah. We, I had the red rider. That was my first one. 10 years old. So, so your first song that you wrote, we can, we can clearly say it wasn't a worship song. Nope. Was not a worship song. Nice. Yeah. Uh, nope. And, uh, but actually, you know, come to think of it, I think uh, our music department at school tried to put me on a worship team in high school. And it's actually kind of crazy that I, I think about it. It was like, I, I knew that I was kind of living a double life and, and wasn't, you know, it was kind of like, God was like, Hey, you can either like, you know, you know, live for me or, you know, keep mm -hmm. doing your own thing. Um, but it, it just weighed heavy on my heart at the time leading. And I actually backed off of the worship team because I was like, I, I was just living in such, yeah, just such selfish pursuit. And so, uh, wow. Hey, can we pause there? Let's pause there for a minute because I think it, it's, that's a similar story for a lot of worship leaders is like we, you know, yeah. and you know this about me and I've shared this with our listeners is that, you know, I kind of went through this same thing where it was like one foot in each world. You want to be a rock star. You, you feel called to worship and you're, you're trying to wrestle with this. It does feel like that double lifestyle. And I feel like that's, that's why it's so key when Jesus said in, in, in Luke eight seventeen he said, nothing's done in the secret place that won't come out into the open. Nothing's done yeah. in the concealed place that won't be known to all. And I think, yeah. That takes a lot of maturity at a young age to realize, hey, look, I don't want to live this double lifestyle, so I'm just going to go for this or I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And what, what, what part of your journey was it when you, was it in college when you fully, yeah. when you fully felt like, okay, like I'm going to, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up this worship thing and pick up the call. And how, how did you get to that call? How did you recognize it and then step into it? Yeah, it, it's actually kind of cool because, you know, at that time that the Lord just encountered me in that crazy place that I was at, and I knew it was, it's a longer story, but I was so, it was so apparent that it was the Lord that I was like, okay, I I have to surrender everything. I got to give up, you know, everything that I'm shooting for in exchange for this mm. new life with Jesus. And so at that time, you know, it, I think that I knew that I needed to drop the selfish pursuit and things. And so mm-hmm. it wasn't like an immediate thing where I was like, I have to be on stage leading worship sort of thing. You know, it was kind of like, I need to make sure I'm in the right place to, <laughs> to lead worship. And, uh, you wow. know, something I'm reminded of, you know, the, uh, so I, I love reading about like the Levites, right? The, the, the priestly tribe of Israel, right? And mm-hmm. they're the ones that were ministering to the Lord. And, um, you know, Jesus calls us, you know, to be a kingdom of priests, right? As believers. And so, you know, the priests set up meeting places with God and people, right? They also minister to the Lord first and foremost, but, you know, they, the job of a priest is to like be that kind of connecting point, you know, when you look at scripture and stuff. And mm-hmm. so I think it's really important for as worship leaders to, to have that place in the, in the secret. Cause if you don't, then like, how are you going to, how are you going to, you know, foster that meeting place with God and people at all, you know, mm-hmm. and lead so- them to that place. Yeah. I love that because we, we've talked about that before. We talked about that a little bit uh, with, with Chris Douglas a few weeks ago. Nice. Uh, where, where we're talking about, you know, off stage and on stage and what does your time with the Lord look like in your daily devotion? Mm. And what does that look like for you? You know, because I know when you, when you listen to the songs you write and, and anytime you spend around you, Spencer, you just get this sense that, you know, you you know the Holy Spirit. You have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So what does it look like for you to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit as a worshiper? What does it look like in that secret place so that when you step out to lead others, it is from a place of authenticity? Yeah, that's that's so good. Um, so, you know, obviously trying to be consistent with your times with the Lord, um, but, you know, even more than that, like really connecting and listening to the Lord as well. You know, I feel like, you know, we sometimes talk about this in church, how prayer isn't supposed to be this thing where you're just you know, spewing out all your wants and needs and your woes to to God, but it's, you know, it's conversation, it's relationship. And so one of the most helpful things for me has been like, I think a while back I I tried to make this uh, a habit of, of, you know, praying, um, but then just listening, like setting a timer on my phone and being like, okay, God, I'm not going to, you know, (laughs) I'm not going to, say anything in this time. I just want to hear what you're saying and, you know, thoughts will come up and it's like, okay, God, is this something you want to discuss? Or if it's something, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, from yourself or the enemy, you know, just, uh, growing in like, okay, this isn't something like, let me just push this off to the side for now. Um, and another thing that I think is crucial is trying to grow in abiding with the Lord, which means like, you know, acknowledging, him in your day to day. And I think especially now with me, with, you know, a, you know, wife and baby now and like trying to navigate yeah. a full-time job and all, all this stuff on top of it, it's become really important for me to, even during my work day, just be dialoguing with the Lord, you know, dialoguing with the Holy Spirit. And I think that does so much, you know? Mm. I love the word abide. I mean, that's been, you know, from, from John abide in the vine. And I, I just think there's so 
there's such a beautiful language to that, especially for the songwriters listening. Like, man, I think we need more abide songs. I think we need more songs that are just about resting in his presence. And, you know, one of the things that as I've been listening to your new album, and we definitely want to talk about the upper room, um, I think what you're saying matches what you write Spencer and mm-hmm. and how how do you how do you foster that uh stewardship of your gift even from your prayer times what does that look like i mean yeah, if we want let, let's go ahead and jump in like i mean in the upper room if there ever was a title about waiting on the lord <laughs> um i think that's probably it acts chapter 2 right yes um, absolutely so man like let's let's talk about that a little bit was that inspired from some of these prayer times from some of these times where you were just focused on the Lord and I mean what's the process like for you with writing and and you know of course you do kind of the whole nine yards you produce you record uh, and it's not like your static one four six five songs I mean this I cannot wait for those who are listening to hear this record because it's so fresh it's it's so needed today Um, Mm. and yeah just talk about that yeah I appreciate that Uh, so yeah I think um, so from the moment that I felt the Lord calling me to write music for him. Most of it was, uh, I feel like he wanted me to share my relationship with him, with the world, you know, and kind of inspire Mm. intimacy with the, with the Lord, you know, through my songs. And so every, like, I'm starting to be a little more intentional about certain songs and, and stuff like that. And just spending more time like writing and refining. But honestly, most of the songs that I write are songs that, that just come out of that place. You know, I'll just be like worshiping and in prayer and then like maybe a hook will come up and then, you know, kind of some verse melody. And at the time I might like hit record on my iPhone just, just so I don't forget it. Uh, mm-hmm. and then come, come back to it and kind of refine it a little bit. And I think that's important too, cause you don't want to sit down and like be trying to have time with the Lord and then get focused too much on refining like the perfect song, you know? Ooh, that's good. Yeah. So I think don't let your prayer times <laughs> turn into, uh, just strictly songwriting sessions. Man. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, so they all come from that place, just in the, in the quiet place, processing things with the Lord. And um, especially with this album, you know, a lot of it is, uh, you know, desiring the Lord's lead in, in my life, you know, and his, uh, his outpouring, his filling, his lead. And yeah, so that's what a lot of the album is about is just being led by the Holy spirit. And, um, and just waiting on him, trying not to rush ahead of him. And um, yeah, and we we had such a blast recording this one. This is the first time that I brought in, uh, you know, a good group of people to, to work with. And I'm so thankful for the team that God put around me. We had uh, my friend Joshua Sawson, who's just phenomenal producer, amazing guitarist, um, just the idea guy, you know, like <laughs> he's just yeah. so good at coming up with ideas. So that was awesome. And then we had uh, Benja Shik, who's just, he's an incredible producer. He's he's amazing drummer and just so good with synths. And so he did a mm-hmm. ton of the drum and synth work. And then one of the tracks, Driver, he completely produced that one and we were gonna throw away that track, so. Oh, I'm so glad you didn't. That's my favorite one. <laughs> yes, that's awesome, yeah. I love the vocoder 
odor and the scent and the i mean it's just so fresh man yeah that's awesome yeah and then wow. we had uh josh bonanno out there in nashville uh mix and master him because usually i i love to mix and master uh but i was like man i feel like i want to do this the best that i can and mm. that that means me not doing that part <laughs> <laughs> well let's talk about that because sometimes you get so uh, I guess married to your songs and you get so like uh, you don't want to loosen the grip on anything and, and I'm kind of the same way I mean I, I produce but I, I am not a good mixer and so I always want to get fresh ears and eyes on a song for that portion but what does it look like to collaborate because I mean just a few weeks ago we were talking with Chrissy Nordoff and she's talking songwriting and just bringing different people in the room especially when it comes to writing for your church and I mean, I know you guys do that up in, uh, you're in Lynchburg, Virginia, correct? Yep. Lynchburg, Virginia. And, uh, and so with, with your church, with other worship leaders, the art of collaboration. And apparently as I'm listening to you, it's, it's the same when you're producing and recording an album, what kind of tips did you learn along the way in that collaboration process and being loose with the songs that you feel like God's given you? Yeah, well, to be honest, like I'm pretty new with with that side of things. Like it's been years of me just trying to do things alone. Um, and I think mm. I had to realize that I couldn't do it all to the level that I needed to. And like, I think that's totally on purpose. Like the Lord wants us to, um, you know, you, uh, come together and use our gifts together uh, for him. And so um, I think it's definitely a, a stretch, you know, like kind of uh, letting other people in on the process. I mm -hmm. think it's so crucial to work with people that you trust because, um, because you can be open with them about like really not feeling something, but then you also have to be honest with your, with yourself of like, okay, like the person, the people you're bringing in, like you can trust them that they're, you know, not there to like mess anything up, I guess. Right. Right. I don't know. And so I think it, it's definitely, it's, it's a vulnerable thing, but it's, it's necessary. And I think that, you know, there might even be some, some pride you might struggle with getting there, but, um, you know, and I think even now, like I, to be honest, like where I've been doing things alone for so long, like there's even part of me that's like, that I'm realizing is, is prideful that like, mm. you know, everyone else is getting credit for the project. And it's like, it's <laughs> such this weird thing that I'm like, I'm like, yeah, of course they did a freaking amazing job on it. But mm -hmm. at the same time, it's like, it's like, but what about me? Which is such a terrible like place to be at in your heart. So that's like just just being open. That's something that I'm like processing with the Lord right now of like, you know, not taking credit for everything, you know, and ultimately giving the Lord credit for everything. So, oh man, I I know exactly what you're talking about, and I appreciate the vulnerability there because it is. It, I mean, you know, you're so close to it, and it's if you've been doing it alone so long. Uh, and this goes for any songwriter listening. I mean, the moment that you start to put songs uh, out there and on the table in a collaborative process is the moment you say, hey, look, this is not just me. Um, you invite others into it. And what I've found now in my personal songwriting journey, and especially when I'm in writing for the church, I don't like to write alone. Like there was a time where I was like, oh, it's just easier for me to write the song and I can go, you know, in my, in my quiet room and just like write this thing out and knock it out in 15 minutes. And it's like, yeah, but if you wrestle with others for a couple of hours, you put it on the table, they bring their skill sets. Maybe this person's stronger in lyric and this person's stronger in, in, um, in melody. And this person knows a little bit more about scripture and this person's more production minded. And you put, you put everybody in this room and you come out 
out with like, oh my goodness, this is so much better than if it was just me. And I mean, that's that's something. And I clearly, you know, when I'm listening to In the Upper Room, I'm like, man, this, whoever did the collaboration on this, because I've heard your stuff just solo acoustic and it sounds incredible when you're just, it's just you, but this is another level, man. And I'm excited to see where it goes. Why don't you tell those who are listening, like last week we had Kate Thompson and Kate is probably more on the CCM side of things. He's got a couple songs on radio. And we, we talked a little bit about like, what's the difference between a worship artist and a CCM artist? And, you know, when I listen to your music and just knowing uh, where you are, I, I would truly say like you are a worship leader, a worshiper and an artist all balled into one. And what's that journey been like for you? And then how have, has it morphed? Has it grown? And then now getting to this place where you're releasing music, you know, you've got integrity music behind you. Um, you know, I, I feel like these songs are, like I said several times, fresh and needed for the church. What's that journey been like you as an artist, I guess I'm saying. You know, that's so, like I was saying before, something I'm trying to get into is being more intentional with, uh, with writing stuff that, that may be more corporate worship friendly, you know? And I think mm -hmm. that's where like CCM world just has a, you know, is, is a huge part of, of bringing songs that are, you know, very cor corporate worship friendly as where like stuff that I've been doing is, you know, coming from the quiet place. It might be a little more songwritery, um, I guess, if that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> songwritery. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so it does feel a little bit separate from worship leading on Sundays. Um, mm -hmm. But I do think, you know, worship leading on Sundays and, and prayer room worship stuff that we've been starting recently uh, has really helped me grow in uh, in songwriting as far as like um, being able to come with up with like good melodies without really thinking about it or you mm -hmm. know what I'm trying to say and yep. so I think there's some songs that come out of those worship spaces that I've been able to kind of like uh mold into something uh artist artisty <laughs> but yeah it's it's definitely been a separate journey for me but there's been some things that I've I've taken from both sides and have incorporated into worship leading or songwriting I guess if, if that answers your question yeah, absolutely, man. And, and I mean, you've been releasing music for a little while now. Oh, yeah. And, I have plenty and, of projects that are completely taken down because they're so bad. <laughs> You're like, this goes into the, they will never hear this file. Oh. I've got a lot of those, man. So to, let, talk to me a little bit. I mean, this is definitely not a an artist marketing type of podcast. We're definitely more on the side of uh, leading worship and pursuing the calling. Um, but I do think you have a unique um you have a unique take on all this because you have been able to really have a presence on Spotify and from the independent side of things. What, what has that journey been like now? I mean, I, you know, I, I know you have quite a few listeners every month on Spotify and you've been able to grow that and share your music with a, a larger audience. What's like two tips for, you know, that 19 year old songwriter that's listening and wondering what do I do with these songs? You know, if I, if I feel called to that. Well, I've definitely learned every everything the hard way so far. <laughs> so I've been, cause I've been, I've been doing th this for, uh, probably since 2017, I think is oh, when wow. I started releasing things. And, you know, I've, I've been releasing a lot since then. So it's not, you know, just like 
I don't know, there's been a lot of projects since then. And I've definitely, I guess some of the biggest things that I've learned is you have to have that moment where it's like, okay, God, is this something that you want me to release? Because there are some songs that, you know, God might just want to keep between you and him. You know, it might not be something he wants you to release in the world. And another thing that I learned is there might be songs that God's saying, wait. And actually in 2018, right when I moved to Nashville, I wrote Jehovah. And I think I actually showed you a very rough version of that when it was you, me Mm -hmm. and Jamia, I think. And I couldn't get the timing down. I didn't know if I wanted it to be in three, four or four, four. And so that was one of the ones that God put like a weight on and I wouldn't have been able to do it at the capacity that it needed to be done. Um, Yeah. So that was awesome. And then I guess just generally something I would say is um, I think that you need to be trying to do the best you can do with where you're at. And I think there's times that I rushed projects along when I could have spent a lot more time on them to do them well, because to be honest, you know, it's, if you don't get a good mix, if your production is a little wacky and you don't get good, you know, vocal processing, sometimes like people won't even listen to it because it just like, it's there, there's like a, a element of excellence and and even beauty that might be missing. And I feel like we're called, you know, as Christian creatives to be reflecting, you know, the beauty of God, you know? Wow. So, so yeah, steward your projects well, you know, hold them as if they're, you know, something that's, uh, you know, that could really change somebody's mind or life or heart or whatever it is. And so, yeah, spend time refining your songs and um, and make sure that they're God glorifying, you know, make sure that they're life giving at least, you know, uh, don't don't write a song that's, you know, super lamenting without any hope behind it. You know, don't mm. push people into even darker places like <laughs> <laughs> we don't need that today. Not in 2022. Yeah. So always try to have you know, show the hope of God, you know, as well. And in those songs, it might be a little more intense. Um, but that's just like personal tip. Like, I, you know, so, so I'm hearing you say, I'm hearing you say, uh, songs have a season. Sometimes they're for the Lord. Sometimes you need to wait on it. Sometimes they're not meant to be out there. And then I'm also hearing you say refining your craft, you know, making sure that you've got it too. So, so let's say you've got to this point where you feel like you've got uh, your heart, excellence and something to release out there what's what's that practical step going out of that yeah so if you got you got your master um something you know every or most independent artists are doing nowadays is just going to distro kid which is just a super inexpensive way of distributing your music um and i think it's a great place to start obviously there's a lot of uh publishing and and that Mm -hmm. sort of information that you need to kind of learn along the way but honestly when you're when you're just starting out like you know just take that time to grow into everything and not uh not stress about all the other stuff that can come along with the songwriting stuff so i would say yeah highly recommend distro kid it's just a great platform um that's cool get your music out there get some good artwork too uh, which will probably mean hiring somebody (laughs) dude and you do that really well i love the artwork and and i know your pastor up there has got an incredible eye for design um i think it's the whole package right it's like you know when you talk about excellence and you talk about honing your craft i mean it has to be you know you can't just do like you know uh, a a 
a halfway iPhone picture and you know like but but it, like you spent two two thousand on the recording you know yeah I mean to be honest I've seen some iPhone pics that can be pretty dope though hey I mean not mine not mine though <laughs> same here I, I'm very visually artistically challenged like I sometimes I don't even know what I want and so I have to like I come I'm coming to Andrew that, who does my artwork like completely trusting him I'm like hey this is the theme this is the lyrics this is kind of what I'm going for but I don't really know what to do and he just really has been such a huge gift in helping me. And actually, I know this is so silly to compare like album artwork to like something like this, but I, I'm reminded of like, you know, the old cathedrals that are just so beautiful and intricate mm. and draw people in, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like, yeah, another level of excellence is having that beauty right at the gate. People see that, you know, artwork and they're like, oh man, you know, someone has taken time with this, you know, and and I feel like that's very God glorifying as well. Time, putting your time and money into something can be really hard, um, but it's definitely needed. That's cool. It's it's all part of the um, you know. It has to cost you something, literally. I, I love that verse where David says, you know, I'm not gonna because the guy just tries to give him his field, and he says, I'm not gonna not pay something. Like it has to cost me something for this threshing floor, and I think it's the same with the art that we do. If we just cheaply put it out there, it's not honoring our gift. It's not honoring the God that gave us the gift, and it's not stewarding well. I, don't, I think it sets you up for failure to not steward what He's given you well something I'm seeing right now is people are, you know, recording something and it, and I'll, I'll hear it. I'm like, man, this is so anointed. This is so for the world right now. And then they'll be too nervous to release it. Mm. I would say, don't, I would say, try to get past that and release it. But, but also like realize that, that God usually allows for a small platform for growth. So even though, you know, maybe not the best, best thing it could be like, at the time, like you're just doing what you can with what you got. Like, um, yeah, don't be afraid to release it and and be scared that like a ton of people are going to hear and hate it. <laughs> Dude, you just said something that might be the. It's probably worth the price of admission for this whole thing. Is is that God will give you a small platform at times for growth? Yes. And, and I think sometimes, sometimes, like if we feel like you know there is a potential to release music or as worship leaders, you know, to to start writing for our, our church and realize it, we off the bat we have to realize not every song is going to connect with our congregation. Um, and so I think sometimes right now what I'm seeing is there seems to be an epidemic of worship leaders that get eyes beyond their church. And it's like, you know, I want to write a song. I want to write this song that's going to be the next, How He Loves Us. Or, you know, I want to write, you know, it's like, and it's like, listen, man, uh, Chris Tomlin and John Mark McMillan and all of these incredible worship songwriters, they were decades in the shadows being faithful to their craft before anyone saw their name on a screen under worship yes. lyrics as the churches were singing them. And, and I just feel like that's so needed for people to understand that. And, and I mean, as I've been able to know you over these last five or six years and just kind of see you be faithful with little, it's just exciting for me. I mean, like Sarah, my wife and I, we were listening to your record as we did this like eight hour car drive the other day. Nice. And, <laughs> and, and we were just like, she literally says, I feel like a proud mama right now. You know, it's Aww, like, you know, we're just like, <laughs> as we've been able to see, your journey and just uh you know play a small uh role in just you know stewarding uh the moments that god gave us with you and and just to see you being so faithful with that now 
uh, man, I'm just excited for you. I'm excited for people to hear in the upper room. If you haven't heard it, uh, we're going to put it in the show notes and make sure you check that out. Dude, one last thing I want to ask you before uh, we have to say goodbye today. Uh, you know, your your album, your, your, your writing, and even just from this podcast, it's very apparent you care a lot about intimacy. You care a lot about abiding. You care a lot about relationship with the Holy Spirit. We talk about this a lot on this podcast about being spirit-led as we lead worship. Yeah. What does that look like to you? Uh, what is one thing that you've seen and you've lived out uh, to be spirit-led in your times of worship with the church um, that we can just kind of grab onto? I know that's a, that's a big one right there. No, I love this question, and I'm so passionate about it too. Um, I, I would say um, being spirit-led during worship is not being, a, a, or I guess getting in the habit of dialoguing with the Holy Spirit during worship, you know, because sometimes we'll be leading mm. worship and it's like, man, like what, like, like, aren't they getting it? Like, you know, what, what's the deal? What's happening right now? I feel like I'm just playing a song. And sometimes I'll be like, okay, Holy Spirit, like, where do you want to go? Like, what do you want to do? And, you know, a lot of times it'll be scripture that he'll bring to mind or, you know, something that, it, you know, helps people realize like, why we're worshiping or like, you know, what we're doing or might go in a direction of like, Hey, we need to pray for this certain thing specifically and like worship, you know, in truth over that. Um, and so I think like, yeah, learning to dialogue with the Holy spirit during, during your worship sets, uh, can be really huge. And even if you only have a few minutes, like between songs or something, you know, I think it, you'll always have a moment somewhere where I feel like, or you should be able to have a moment somewhere where you can um, uh, follow the Holy Spirit in your worship set. Wow. I love that idea of dialoguing because it is a relationship. It is, it is. And I don't know many relationships that are successful where there's no dialogue going on. Yeah. And I actually heard that from Corey Asbury at first. And I was like, how do you do that? But it's, yeah, it's, it's a thing <laughs> and wow. it's really helpful. That's so good. That's so good. Well, Spencer, thanks so much for your time this morning. And I'm just excited for the listeners here to uh, to dive in and hear some of this in the upper room, be inspired in your prayer time. And uh, hopefully we've inspired and challenged some songwriters to pick up the pen, pick up the guitar and get to it and, and steward that gift. Thank you so much, Curtis, for, for having me. And it was awesome chatting with you. Love it. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams, you can visit curtisparks.com.